Welcome to Love Maps, your guide to love, sex and relationships. I'm your host, Joe Nickel. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship coach. For 25 years, I've been working with couples and individuals, and I know firsthand that many people are not having the sex and love life they want. So I decided to make this podcast to give people the tools they need to get the relationships they long for with more passion, intimacy and connection. So what is a love map? A love map is the blueprint for our relationships which we developed in the early stages of our life. There's a saying, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you love. Our culture shows us how to fall in love, but I want to show you how to stay in love. Each episode, I'll be hanging out on my sofa with an invited guest who has a particular interest or expertise in love and sex. And together we'll explore a specific topic so that you can take away tools and new ideas that I hope will transform your relationships. Today, we're talking to Elena Lovendahl, She is one of the founders of the Man-Woman Project and also the Centre for Psychosexual Education. She's co-authored a book, Sex, Love and the Dangers of Intimacy. We're going to be talking about sacred sexual behaviour, how the ancient tribes and cultures could teach us so much about how to have a more enriched and interesting and grounded sex life. Also with me on Love Maps is my regular sofa buddy and editor, Richard Cotton, who is as passionate as I am about improving our relationships. Hey, Richard. Joe, hi. Hi. So we're back with Elena today. Fantastic. Yeah. Last, in our last podcast with her, we were really looking about the impact of our childhood on the way we think about sex. Yeah, and how, how the, the way that we were shown sexuality or the response that we were given particularly yeah, by adults yeah, yeah. to sexuality has has impacted on how we now express our sexuality totally it's critical and yeah so we yeah, got we got so much of that in our first podcast in this second podcast we're going to be looking at a different part mm-hmm. of our the roots of our sexuality yeah. which um is cultural and societal and also what we could take from the teachings of ancient cultures. Oh, wow. You know, let's go for it. Elena, tell us about the origins of your work on sexuality. Some of my influences come from having having apprenticed and studied some shamanistic ways. And and like, like you, Joe, being very interested in, in the indigenous teachings. Like when I when I first started working as a psychotherapist nearly 30 years ago, and it was a transpersonal psychotherapy that I was trained in originally. I've done lots of things since then. Because when I first came out from and started working with real life people, it was sex, love and relationship that everybody was struggling with, of course. Because sex, love and relationship is actually what makes life sacred and is the spiritual incarnate. So we don't like there's not a split there. But what I what what got me eventually to meet up with Willem was a long, long journey. Like Willem, the founder of sexual grounding therapy, was a long journey of seeking out from other teachers around different um, traditions and different cultures about how do they relate to the man-woman relationship, to the masculine-feminine, to sex, to intimacy, to marriage, to child-rearing and stuff. And um, 
So some of the the stuff that I learned, which I'm deeply appreciative of, was learning about uh, some teaching from the sacred masculine, the sacred feminine, called the sacred laws, uh, which are actually, they are, so people don't normally say, like, because they're not hierarchical laws, they are principles that are sacred, and if we adhere to them, we actually reach the place that you're talking about, the whole man and the whole woman. Where did you start? Where did you first hear about the sacred laws or learn about the sacred laws? Was it in from a particular culture or it was a, particular a particular religion? Can you say which culture that was? Yeah, it's, it's from the Sweet Medicine Sundance Path. Okay. Yeah. Is that Native American? That's Native American. Yeah. Okay. Native American. All right. So and this is the part of their ancient. It's part of the ancient beliefs, original it? culture, mm. uh, where they had a very different uh, connection to really acknowledging the sexual energy at the center of our being. Um, but the so the I, I can there's a lot to it, but I can mention it briefly just to give a sense of what it is, mm, and please. and then so there there are. There are five of these sacred laws. And the first one is that everything is born of woman or the feminine. And the second law is that nothing shall be done to harm the children. The third one is that the, mascus, the masculine shall serve the feminine. The fourth one, the feminine shall surrender to the masculine. And the fifth one, and when these laws are in place, the feminine will start to cycle again and give and birth the sacred masculine mm. that will then spark mm. a new humanity. Mm. Yeah. Now, when you just name them like that, it sounds incredibly stereotypical, very, very sexist, and a lot of people have strong reactions to it. Mm. But when you start unpacking it and mm. beginning to realize that the first place to apply these sacred laws mm. is in relation to yourself, mm. and then in relation to the opposite gender. Mm. Because if you run them through with yourself, if I say to myself as a woman, everything is born of woman, I think both Joe and I know as women how often as women we break that law. We don't honor our own feminine wisdom and ground. Women have not been taught to honor our feminine qualities. We blame you guys for not doing that. We blame you guys for being mis misogynistic and not respecting us and, and whatever. Most of the time, we're telling you not to do what we give ourselves permission to do to ourselves. Because because of the history of, of the feminine and women. Yeah, I think we carry a very strong um, unconscious bias of against ourselves. The burning times are still living strongly in us. Yeah, we, I mean, we are away. biased against as much as the feminists may, you know, I'm, I'd say, you know, I'm an evolved woman in many ways, and I'm a feminist and all that, but I know I have, and I'm, it's more conscious now, an unconscious bias against myself yeah. and against mm. other women. Mm. And that's and one of the reasons where I've been since 90, early 90s, I've mm. been working specifically with women on the ways of women in order to really begin to get women back to that because if everything is born of the feminine, I'll come back in a moment because, of mm. course, it includes men. Mm. Yeah, The men have got feminine too, of course. So that women... Um, if, if, if we are not learning to do that, how can we if, we, if the feminine is what is birthing everything, if we cannot even honor the feminine, how can we even imagine that the men could learn to do it? Yeah. Yeah. 
So we have enormous responsibility here to come home to ourselves. Oh, it sounds... Well, it's, 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 this is massive. It's, it's massive. massive. It's massive. But it's like, it's, it's almost, it's an imperative. One has to yes, do it in course. order to give up the grievances yeah. and give up the the anger yeah. and the hurt and the, you know, all of that stuff. If I don't honor my own feminine in my deeper ground and explore what that actually means with my mm. my relationship to my mother as a woman, my relationship to my feminine line as a How woman. How many of us talk about our mothers? In, my, I mean, I... Our sexual mothers? Our sexual mothers. Our mother, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I recently had a plant medicine experience which was transformational and I realized how... All my life, my mother died 32 years ago. And um, when people asked me about my mother, I would often say things like, well, she was very over-emotional and she was quite needy and she never stood up to my father. And I had this, this narrative about what it means to be a mother. My internalized mother was needy and over-emotional. So guess what? You tried to be I'm not going to be that person. Much to my detriment. And it's only now... Because that's not freedom either to be in reaction it, oh, to... It's to know. be in reaction, but also not honouring her mm. as a mother and a And honouring the time that she was living in, the context all of she that, was living all in. All of that. So uh, when I sort of did this internal sort of shift and understood what, you know, every, uh, her and her compassion, my my experience of myself was just shifted the enormously. Shift enormously. And the self-love You come back up. home. That's what I call the come feminine ground. You come ground. back home. That's beginning to learn to respect the first sacred law as a yeah. woman with that. Okay. Now, yeah. for a man to respect the first sacred law, everything is born of woman, mm -hmm. has to do with him taking his own emotional life seriously, his own creative life seriously, mm. his own longings and dreams, uh, his, his longing to play music, write poetry, go for walks, mm. play with the kids, um, paint, uh, be still, uh, laugh and play. <laughs> yeah? yeah. So for a man to learn that actually the very thing that so often men have been told are weaknesses and, and stuff, that is men have been told not to honor the first sacred law as men. Mm. Yeah? So if, 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 we, if, not, if none of us honor the first sacred law, which is the, the basis of existence, yeah, Like, okay, let, let me just go, for this. so there's so much more to it. Like I'm writing a book at the sure. moment where I will really explain the, the enormity of, of these sacred laws, of how it yeah. is very alive and applicable to our, our, our current situation. But it's like, if you just go fast forward to the next sacred law, nothing shall be done to harm the children. It's the children's fire at the center. The times that we are breaking that law, especially within relationships, both to ourselves and with others, where we talked about earlier that who in me is it that is having sex or not wanting sex in my adult relationship. Most of the time, it is not the adult man or woman making that decision. Most of the time, it's a younger part of ourself that is still hoping for somebody to be the perfect mommy or daddy that will make me feel whatever it is so we're still operating from that time there's almost as if there's a trauma almost as if there's a, something that's held us in that place because we haven't fully actualized it at the, at the time right? yes exactly so we are breaking the second sacred law all the time we put the child in us 
in how to do stuff that is not child business, like sex and an intimate relationship with somebody else. So if I was going to, you know, I, I'm going to bring this back to our couple work, yeah. because if we're thinking about, you know, how activated our inner child is in us when we are sec- when we are wanting sex and longing for yeah, connection, yeah, 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 yeah. and we all have that yearning, which is also, it does have a quality of it of needing that skin on skin and the smell and the all those things that can evoke quite childlike parts of us. So we, with that awareness that, you know, we want to bring a more adult part of ourselves into the sexual relationship with, with our partners, how can we do that? How can we help our couples do that in a kind of very concrete way? Mm. Like, Tonight, Mm -hmm. you haven't had sex with your partner Mm -hmm. for three months. Mm -hmm. What can you, you haven't. Or three years. Or three years. Mm -hmm. What can you do differently this week, tonight, tomorrow? What can you do now that can shift that energy of stuckness, the being in the rut, the sexual rut? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just very, very simple. It's complex, but it's very simple. If I, or if both the partners can own what is going on from them in their own scared children, but not identify as the child, but actually hold the child as the adult me and saying, I really miss you and I am really scared. So they're 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 acknowledging that there's a part oh holding their partner or holding the part of themselves that is very I'm young. I'm holding the young part of myself. Okay, so we're holding we're acknowledging that there's a part of ourselves that is young and is scared. I'm feeling really shy. So that part is saying because I want we know how to do this work, the parts work. Um, I love talking in parts, and I think it's really really helpful for clients to think about. There's an adult part, there's a teenage part, there's a child part. There's all these these parts that are activated all the time. at different times and all the time. And we need the whole village. Mm-hmm. And we need the whole village. <laughs> and we have a village that lives inside of us. But we don't want to take the little boy, the little girl, into our adult bedroom with mm, us. Yeah, no, no, yes and no, yes and no. The work I do, I work a lot with sex, intimacy and sexuality and yeah. all that stuff. And I couldn't do that work without my little girl. She's, she's my co-worker. So what does she do for you, your co-worker? The, the difference is that she is not in. She is not doing the work. She's the one who is informing me mm. about spontaneity, about, about my feelings, about my yeses and nos, and about my how to actually have joy in my body just for being and just and to giggle. I can. I, I've got a sort of flash going. How can a What's little that? girl inform you about your yeses and nos? Because, because in terms she can of say the, I like it or I don't post, like it. Post me too. She can say I like it. I don't like it. But Elena, post. Yeah, I can like. That's true. I can like it. Don't touch me. That I don't like it. True. But an adult might say, I'm not sure whether I like that, but I'm will because I'm willing to try. If it doesn't yeah, have, the, if hold, it hold, doesn't hold it there, hold it there. Yeah. Where in you mm. do you go to find out 
whether you are willing to try or not. Whether I trust and to play with. Trust who? My partner. And are you sure? I would say that if they, if I trusted someone to say, look, my thing is mm-hmm. tying you up yeah. and blindfolding you and um, putting headphones on you and sensory deprivation, let's say. And I'm going, whoa, okay, that's fresh and new, but I, you know, how safe. But, you know, I'll go there. It may not, like, I might feel a bit uncomfortable. I might be like, oh, I'm not sure. But hey, I trust you. As long as it's, you know, as long as I don't feel trauma and anxiety and that rush of, oh, fuck, something terrible Let's is going to Let's slow happen. down because it's very important what you're saying. Yeah. What in you allows you to trust your partner? What in me allows me mm-hmm. to trust my partner? Because at some level, I can trust my partner, but actually if I 100% trust my partner, I am a child in relationship to my father and my mother. It's the only people I can ever Im- expect to be totally there for me. So if you're saying you can't 100% trust anybody, which you can't, except you do maybe with your parents, but as you say, mm-hmm. the unconditional. What allows you to trust and to dare to trust somebody else? Their ability to have been present in their adult and child self, shown those parts to me, shared those parts to me, show, shared their vulnerability taken responsibility for their needs and their wants. So I'm meeting a more adult part of them. That will assume that you have done the same for yourself, for your partner to trust you. That will assume it. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Yeah. So the trust is that I trust myself enough to dare to trust you. Yeah. To be vulnerable with you. Yeah. Because if you let me down, which you may not do, But there well, is no do. guarantee you might ever. Do. I'm okay myself. Then actually, I'm not going to collapse and fall into a, I am no good. Yeah. I can go, ooh, we stepped a so bit too words, far. You, I don't want to continue because okay, right now okay, I don't feel safe any longer. In good. other words, if you want to tie me up and do all these things to me and I don't get off on it and I don't like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I'm any, it doesn't mean anything in terms of my self-worth. Exactly. That is why I'm going for like the the, in, the the one of the big keys for having a really good, playful, free, open, erotic, naughty, dirty, whatever. Because once you really have the the trust and the basic thing, I'm not dependent on on your approval. You can do anything that two consenting adults want to be doing and exploring with. There's nobody to tell you not to do it as long as there are two consenting adults truly present who are each responsible for their own yes nos and maybes mm. at any given time mm. who are not feeling that if if you don't like my smell tonight or the what I did with you tonight or whatever it doesn't mean that I am suddenly you don't love me mm. it means that you didn't like my smell or my touch so we have a cup of tea instead of yeah yeah <laughs> and try something and I'm else not, I'm not my implicit worth is not My self-concept is not marred by you not liking me 100% unconditionally. Yeah. Because nobody, it's not erotic to be loved unconditionally. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Love Maps with Elena Lovendahl. Stay tuned for the second half. If you're enjoying it, do subscribe and leave a review. 
And you can find more information and support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com and follow Love Maps Podcast on Instagram. Elena, just going back to one thing about the sort of the inner child knowing their yeses and nos, that's on the assumption that they that they had a healthy sexual relationship with their parents or their close ones. No, because most of us, as I said earlier, I don't know any. I didn't. I didn't have the upbringing that I'm now teaching about. I so had a pretty how, good. How, I, how I had a sexual mother so if who you, I knew. That was one of my big gifts. Is that I knew my mother as a sexual woman. Yeah, that's a big gift. And it's a massive gift. I didn't realize it until I grew up to realize how rare that was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and so I really knew my mother as a sexual woman, appropriately so, not mm. in any inappropriate manner. So yeah. knowing that you are taking different parts of yourself into the relationship and into your sexual life with your partner mm-hmm. and owning those parts mm-hmm. and knowing those parts. Sounds so serious, doesn't it? It sounds really, it sounds really like, serious. It's like but anything but erotic. Knowing those parts. <laughs> serious and abstract. It's serious and abstract. How can we make it less abstract, do you think, for somebody listening to this? Play with it. Play with? Play with it. Like, if I were to consciously say, okay, we haven't had sex for three months, three years, who knows how long, for, for far too long. We, we're both still here. We still miss each other. We still want something different. We're still willing to try. That's the first step. Even the fact that we're still both willing to try is like, congratulations, mate. You're halfway there. Yeah. So then this is where that comes in with the chance. So can we say, what about if you have an re- agree- agreement? No, no penetrative sex, no expectations of where we're going. What if we just play... Three, four, four, like, play doctors and nurses together, as if we were innocent little children. We <laughs> might be, sweet. we might be That's fifty, so we might be fifty or sixty years yeah, old. Come full circle. Yeah. But I want to, I want to sniff you. I want to put my fingers in your ears and your nose and your bum and your vagina, and uh, I want to see what happens to your penis when I like nothing that hurts but to stretch it. Mm. I, w- I want to uh, just tickle you, and uh, but but we actually have an agreement. We're not trying to achieve anything with this mm-hmm. apart from building trust and having fun mm. and getting with our bodies, with our sensory selves. Mm. We're involved the touch, the smell, the, the laughter. Mm. Yeah, and that builds the trust. That builds trust. Let the child come in consciously. Mm. And of course, if there's trauma in the background, that has to be dealt with first because if the child was traumatized sexually Mm. then that child is not free to Mm. play Mm. sexually but that means the adult is not free to be sexually in a sexual adult exchanging masculine feminine energies in an erotic manner Mm. it's not a bad thing but it means you need to heal that yeah most of the time sexual issues between couples in my experience over a long time like decades now i have very rarely met what we normally would say physiological sexual problems. They've all been emotional problems, mm. mental problems, mm-hmm. about expectations, about mindsets, self-beliefs, self-concepts. Also very poor sex education. There's a lot of things. Too that you- high expectations of what you think it should be looking like instead of actually real stuff. From Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's boring, sometimes it's bad. Uh, most of the times it's Hard just good enough. Hard to get that if the alternative <laughs> is watching porn. Yeah, and, and like, what do you get from this? It's a long time since I have watched porn. I used to do it. I get bored by it what nowadays. What's ethical so. porn? 
Hmm? I'm going to give ethical porn. No, ethical porn, might, uh, fine. If it's that, great. If, if that's that, because it's a way for you to actually maybe be freed up enough to realize this is natural Well, it's also behavior. looking at, yeah, what do other people do? What's yeah, out perfect, there? Perfect, no You problem. know, all of that. And it's very, it's very but, feminist, so it's, well, one it's good of the, for women. One, like years ago, uh, I used to run uh, workshops for couples um, in, in different, like, different various uh, settings of uh, residential ones. And one of them uh, included doing sexual exercises, like it's not tantra that I was running, but doing sexual exercises, the couples themselves up in their rooms in the hotels. And then we'll come back and share notes openly in the group. This is enormously freeing to do. You actually, everybody knows we're now going off to our rooms to make love for the next couple of hours. And we're going to come back and talk about what happened. Um, this is amazing turn on for most people. Do people know that that's the format before they arrive, or are they surprised mm, by almost, that? And maybe almost, almost, almost. So a little bit of. Uh, they almost know it. Little, is it? Is they, it they, they have got game. some information about what to bring that they could imagine that that could be part of it. Yeah. Because so, people aren't very good with the language of sex, and that is also another. It's a problem. Yes. Is that they don't know how to talk about what they want. They don't know how to express about what they want, what they like, touch me here, don't That's touch That's exactly me one of the exercises that I would use to send them off with. Mm. Couples who might have been together for 30 odd years. Yeah. But to actually say, have you actually ever sat down and interviewed each other about what is a really turn on for you? What's a real turn off? How do you want me to kiss you? How do you want me to touch your ears? Uh, so it's like a consultation. It's a real consultation of how can I be the perfect lover for you next time we make love? which is going to be in about an hour's time. Well, that's like, what are you away. into? Yeah, no, but really, really, so it sounds very, very pragmatic. Yeah. You literally pen and paper, But taking most turns. people love to be asked those questions. What do you like? Tell me about your sexuality. Tell me what turns you what on. What was the best time you ever made love? What was the worst? Yeah. What made it the best thing? What made I really it the worst? like that because that is a practical thing yes. that two people in their homes can do, and right? Absolutely, Not easy, maybe, maybe, but... They have, to, they, have to, they have to agree to take turns, of course, like maybe not the same day, because once you have got your shopping list from your partner... So you're switching? No, you put it aside and you follow the shopping list. You look at it and you say, hmm, I can do this and this, this I'm not so sure about. You agree, okay, this is fine for me. I'm not so sure if anal sex is ready for me yet. Or yeah, let's just try it and I can say no later. Uh, oral sex, yeah, I'm up for that one. Uh, tying you down, if that's what you want, never tried that. That sounds good to me. Uh, going really slowly. You want me to? Do you want to watch me pleasure myself so, first? So in other words, maybe feeding, I can I mean, do that. The thing is, when Elena talks about it, it's like, yep. Yes. Sounds, yeah, yes, I'll do that. I'll, yeah, all of those. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I can see how the erotic language is giving them this tool of talking about things that they like. Nipples, clitoris, yeah, penis, yeah. balls, whatever it is, yeah. using the language of sex. Do you like me to bite your nipples or is not? very Do you want to suck your heart? All of those. Do you want Elaine. to be licked? <laughs> yeah. Yes, and yes, Elaine, I do. Do you want your balls to be massaged? Like, be, that, these are two adult people in the privacy of their own intimate life. But they are they're making love together. So often I've been saddened by people who do that. They've been together, have children together. You ask them for two minutes to look into each other's eyes. They can't do it because they're too shy. That is so sad. <laughs> yeah, Because actually the, the fear of being that intimate. Anna, yes, the fear of intimacy is... But the, the good thing is, so you do this interview, you then, put, you then put aside whatever there is, so you have made agreement... And then now you know, I now know how to make love to my man in a way that really pleases him. 
What a freedom is that? And can you then... Bloody or the other way around. A man who really yeah. knows when I do this, my woman is going to be happy. Yeah. Wow. I can't fail on this one. Let's go. But how many women... But that's the... Also, I mean, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And it's absolutely a gorgeous thing for a couple to do. But I would say that probably um, until quite recently in my life... Um, if somebody said, what turns you on? What do you like? Yeah. What can I do for you? I'd honestly... You wouldn't have known? No. And this is back to the I thing. would not have known. I would have probably said two... I might have come up with two things and then I'd have said, well, no, actually delete that other one because it would have felt like too rude or too <laughs> dirty or too naughty. You for whom? For whom? My partner. My husband. So who... Or for you? Well, no, I mean who, as in... Well, sort of, or I mean, for mum and dad. Daddy. Possibly oh. for daddy. I'm for sorry, daddy. it is that it powerful. Is. It is that powerful. It is that powerful. You know, the shame of actually saying, I've explored my body, I love my body, I can bring myself to orgasm, I enjoy sex. Mm. The sh- Owning my sexuality? Can I show you how I bring myself to orgasm? Not right now, Elena, but you can. No, another it wasn't time. meant to but that. But as one but part yes, as to a, another? Yes, as a quite Absolutely. Like, why not? For God's sake. No, all of that. If I should not be the one teaching my lover what pleases me, he or she is not a mind reader. Absolutely. It's not his or her responsibility. My sexual fulfillment is like, you're not not responsible for your partner's happiness. You are responsible for, for not making them unhappy. Like if we're talking about abusive relationships and where there's mental, emotional abuse or when there is dysfunctioning other places, it's not safe. The basic trust, the basic safety, the basic mutual respect is not there. Of course, the sexual, there shouldn't be a sex life because it is, there is not two adults consenting here. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you have sex under those circumstances, it's most likely because there's a fear involved yeah. from some part in you. Yeah. Sometimes the adult who's scared. Yeah but it most likely from younger parts. And if, if people are busy with abusive behaviors, that is not healthy. So you need help and support to stop that. Yeah. So sometimes saying no to a sexual encounter with a partner is actually the healthy stop mm. to say, I am not, the conditions for me to open to that level is not right between us. Yeah. So we need to go and get support build to, on the trust. To, to build up the trust and the safety. Absolutely. Without trust, safety and mutual respect. Why would well, you want the, those are the foundation- to have sex with somebody? Those are the foundations, the foundations. trust, safety, and mutual respect, and that has. It might be it, important to mention them. We we do, and I'm going. We're going to mention them loudly now. Trust, safety, and mutual respect are the foundations, the the, the baseline of where you go in your sexual life. I think, with a partner, um, this has been a fascinating podcast. Thank you so much, Elena. I mean, really beautiful teaching from you and really with much respect and love. Thank you. It's so interesting to hear from someone who's just really working this I stuff on a daily basis. I am delighted to be here and I've only just scratched the surface. I'm sure. We're going to get you back. I would love to. Let's do another one. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Love Maps. We hope you've taken away something useful. 
If you know anyone who's struggling in their relationship, please share our podcast with them. You can find more information about the topics covered and links to therapeutic support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com.